All right, everyone. Welcome to Magnifying God. I'm your host, Adam Michael. Today, what we're going to be tackling is this idea of spiritual reality versus physical reality. This is very important. We need to realize that there is a physical reality and there is a spiritual reality. But what Jesus was talking about was the spiritual reality. He may be living on earth 2,000 years ago, living on earth, but he was talking about spiritual things. But he was using physical things that people could see to articulate what he was trying to convey spiritually. Let's pick up with our first scripture verse. In John chapter 1, excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do this, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, Now, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So we see in this scripture verse that Nicodemus, now he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He understands the law. If you look at how a Jewish person studied the word, he was supposed to memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And then those that qualified then moved up and then had to study the rest of the Old Testament. So this man memorized the entire Old Testament. That's pretty remarkable. And he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus at night and he asked some interesting questions because he knows, he knows that Jesus, something's different with Jesus. He sees that because he says, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he recognizes that God is with Jesus. And I find that very interesting. What made him 
recognize that God was with him. He was doing signs. So when you're looking at someone, you're looking at their fruit, you're looking at what they proclaim to be as Christianity. I'm a Christian. So what are you doing? What fruit do you bear? Now, all of this fruit, it's not like you're trying to produce fruit. That's the one thing that we get mixed up in. We are just being still next to the living waters. We're that tree that's planted next to streams of living waters, absorbing the the living water, the words of life. And we are just resting in the presence of God. And then out of that place, fruit gets produced. So Jesus' eyes, they, they don't leave the Father. He only does what he sees the Father doing. And then he only hears what the Holy Spirit is saying and speaks only what he hears the Holy Spirit saying. So that's the life that we're called to. But it's in that place of rest and intimacy. So out of that place of intimacy that Jesus had, signs and wonders were happening. And Nicodemus recognized that. And it drew drew him close to Jesus. He knows that there's something spiritual. He knows that God is with him because of this. And that's really important. It's just like Paul. I don't want to see these people's talk. I want to see their power. He wants to see them living a life like Jesus does and did. And then what does Jesus say? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So you have to be born again just to see the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is spiritual. The Jewish people, they were caught up in the physical. They were caught up in this idea of the kingdom reigning and then Rome getting, you know, taken down and then the Jewish people would when free get their freedom back from a physical standpoint. So they were assuming that the Messiah was going to triumph and bring his kingdom in at that time from a physical sense. Well, Jesus did bring his kingdom. His kingdom was reigning. It was at hand in the very presence of Nicodemus. But it was a spiritual reigning. Just like what we're going to get into is the whole, in Colossians 2.15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So think of this. How did he put the authorities and the rulers to open shame? How did he disarm them? There was a battle going on spiritually that whole time. We didn't see Jesus disarming these people in a physical sense, but we saw it in a spiritual sense. And that's in Colossians 2.15. So you see, getting back to Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So you can't even enter it if you don't see it, but you have to be born again to actually see it. So there's a spiritual sight that has to go along with it. And then Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was just not understanding what Jesus was trying to say. He's like, he's talking about a spiritual birth, not a physical one. Nicodemus is still stuck in the physical. Nicodemus is still stuck in that physical aspect of things. And then Jesus says, no, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you these things. So you see that the flesh and the 
spirit are at war with one another because the flesh just cannot perceive anything that's in the spirit. And that in and of itself, it's this, this reality that's, that's going on. You've got the spiritual reality and you've got the physical reality. And, and they're at war with one another because the physical reality is bound by physical laws. Where the spiritual reality, there are spiritual laws, but it's not bound by the physical laws. Hence why Jesus could walk on water. Because the spiritual reality invaded. And that's why also the spiritual reality, the very presence of God was healing people. Because it was the presence of God that was bringing life and light to people's lives. But we get on to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 9. It says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as worldly, as infants in Christ. Now, we automatically know, it says brothers. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people. He's talking to fellow believers. And he was saying, hey, now this is the Corinthians church we're talking about. This, this was exploding in spiritual gifts. But he still calls them worldly, as infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for solid food. In fact, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? For when one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. As the Lord has assigned to each his role, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. He who plants and he who waters are one in the purpose, and to each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So, the people in Corinth just didn't understand. They were walking, unfortunately, worldly, and they were walking of the world. And then the way of man. How many of us, though? I follow Paul, right? Well, I follow this pastor. I've got all of his books, and I've got all of his material. And, and this person's like, well, I follow this pastor. I follow this pastor over here. I follow this pastor over here. I've got all his commentaries and so on and so forth. And he's the reason why I'm so grounded in this. And he's such a great guy. Okay. The problem with that is that is, unfortunately... But Paul is calling out as being an infant in Christ. You're being an infant in Christ if you are there boasting about who you follow. Because honestly, I, I don't mind commentaries. I really don't. But I want to be taught by the Holy Spirit. He is the author. He is the teacher that's going to illuminate all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's the one who ha- is going to give us a better understanding of who we are, the depths of who God is, because he searches the depths, the Holy Spirit does. He's the one who's going to bring 
to the depths, those truths, brings the, he's going to bring them to the surface so that we're able to discern who God is, because that's what eternal life is. It's just knowing him. So I'm going to just literally say, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I want to just be taught by you. Now, as far as commentaries go, I don't mind from a historical sense, you know, looking up some things that pertain to this that I don't know. Like, for instance, the, the feast days, uh, the Jewish culture. I, I'll look up that stuff. But as far as what the Word of God is saying, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's taken me a while to get there. And now there's great men that have studied these things. I agree. But the Holy Spirit is the one that I want to illuminate. Because how do I know that the person that received this revelation, it's actually from the Lord. So, that's why I always go back to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is my teacher. The Holy Spirit's going to illuminate things. Now, I have to admit, I do have word dictionaries because what we're going to be diving into is there is a specific Greek word for temple. There's actually two Greek words for temple. And we're going to have to figure out, well, why is this so significant? Well, I'm going to explain that. So, we move on to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are fighting a spiritual war. There's a spiritual battle raging on all over the place. We just can't see it. Now, there are some people that have been blessed that actually can see it. They could actually see into the spiritual realm. It's pretty bad. I actually ran into somebody, interestingly enough, and he thought he was crazy. I, I just I was actually trying to share the gospel with him, and he told me, I don't want to, I don't want to even listen to you. And then he went back to his house. You know, he was a neighbor. And I said, Hey, you know, can I pray for you? And he said, Absolutely, absolutely not. I don't want you to touch me. I just get away from me, right? Well, interestingly enough, about two months later, uh, this gentleman then approached my wife and was like, Hey, what do you believe? And my wife's like, well, we're Christians. We believe that Jesus, you know, Christ is our Lord and Savior. And then he looked at, at her and he's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I, I believe that. I, I'm this, this religion, this, this, this belief system. He's like, but I have a question for you. Do you believe in demons? And my wife's like, well, of course. She's like, he's like, you do? He's, yeah, we, we believe in demons. We believe in that. We, that's what scripture says. And, and that's actually what we've seen in our lives as far as um, when we're, we're doing a deliverance on somebody. So this man's like, I see them everywhere. I, I mean, I see them all over the place. And then he went on to in-depth what, what this is. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in that stuff, but just know that there are people in there that can actually see what's going on in, in these heavenly places, okay, in this spiritual realm. And remember, though, in Colossians 2.15, that Jesus disarmed these, these entities. We are fighting a disarmed foe. Now, Jesus, Jesus fought an armed foe. So now, Jesus now is interceding for us. He's gone to the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to us. We've been empowered from on high and clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. Praise the Lord. Because in John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So all that Jesus was said, said, man, 
the apostles didn't even have to try to remember because the Holy Spirit was the one that was going to illuminate that for them because they weren't going to be dependent on the flesh anymore. The flesh was to be crucified and they were to be depend on the Spirit because then they were breathed life into and became a spiritual being in John chapter 20 when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. That was their born-again experience. Now, we get on to something that I find very, very interesting. In John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, the Pharisees, of course, said, Oh, temple, yeah, temple. It took this many years to build the temple. Jesus wasn't talking about the temple. And now we all know that, of course, because we find out in scriptures that what he, what he was talking about. He was talking about his body. Now, if we get to that specific Greek word, that temple, it's the, it's the Greek word is the body of God, the place where God dwells. So that's the body of God, the place of where God dwells. That's what that temple means. Now, the other temple, the other Greek word temple means sanctuary. And sanctuary is just the housing place. It's just it's the, it's just the physical building. That's what it is. It's a physical building, a temple that's been built physically. Where what we're talking about now can the actual Jewish temple, the sanctuary, also fall in lines with the temple, meaning the place where God dwells. Well, absolutely. If God is dwelling there, it is a temple for God to be housed in. That's that's absolutely 100% correct. But in John chapter 2, verse 19, he's talking about the temple of his body. So you can literally supplement temple in this verse with body. And let's read it again. Jesus answered them, destroy this body and in three days, I will raise it up. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, because his body is where the very presence of God is. Now, Matthew 27, 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. This temple is the same temple that Jesus is referring to in destroy this temple. Same Greek word. And that temple, let's supplement with body. And behold, the curtain of the body was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now, this is where people are like, whoa, you are over-spiritualizing this. I'm not. Because Jesus wasn't in John chapter 2, verse 19. And it's the same Greek word. On top of that, we get confirmation that what I'm saying is actually true in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That curtain was his flesh. 
opened for us the curtain that is through his flesh. Go back to Matthew 27, 51. And behold, the flesh of the body was torn in two. I just supplemented curtain with flesh and I supplemented temple with body. And we all know that that's exactly what happened. And in Hebrews 10, confirms the scripture in Matthew 27. Always go to scripture to confirm scripture. That's how you do it. And the Holy Spirit's going to direct you. Now, we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That temple is the same temple in Matthew 27, 51, John chapter 2, verse 19. And then we're going to move on to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, 4. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple? You are God's body. Oh yeah, we're the body of Christ. Well, that makes sense. That lines up. Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, 4. This is about the desolation of the temple. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, and the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That word temple, my dear brothers and sisters, is the same temple that Jesus was speaking of in John chapter 2, verse 19, Matthew 27, 51, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. That temple is us. That temple is the body of Christ. So let's read it again. Let's start with just verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the body of Christ, in the body of God, proclaiming himself to be God? Are we defiling ourselves? Are we defiling the temple of the holy and living God? Is that what we're doing? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. We are living stones being built up in a spiritual house, which is housing the very presence of God, because we are a temple. And we too, to be a whole, holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 is speaking of things that are done in the temple. That temple is in us. We are living sacrifices. So we are a walking temple of the Lord. And that desolation of the temple is in us. Are we going to allow the desolation of the temple to happen? Are we going to pollute our lives? Pollute our lives? with worldly aspirations, worldly desires, things that are passing away and fleeting? 
it is a time that we need to really examine ourselves and test ourselves to see that we're in faith, that, that we're walking with the Lord. Because if we aren't having our eyes single and filled with light, then we become double-visioned and double-minded. And then we're letting the world come in. And the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. So we, in and of ourselves, are going to be at war with each other in our minds. We need to wash our minds with the word of God. We need to see spiritually. We need to hear spiritually. We need to be walking in the spirit. This is so important. And after going through this, I'm, I know that I'm convicted by just talking with you right now. I'm, I'm pretty convicted right now because I'm, I'm looking at my life and I'm looking at, man, what are some of the things that I need to break away from? What are some of these deep desires that are just frivolous, that are going to be passing away? It's this whole spiritual reality versus physical reality. The Jews had it wrong. They were picturing Jesus as this physical ruler, and it was actually a spiritual rule. We also, I believe, are getting this wrong. We see it in a lot of commentaries and people, and these are great people. I'm not knocking them. They believe that it's going to be a physical desolation of the temple. Jesus was always in the spirit, talking about spiritual things. Is it wrong to assume that he's not talking spiritual things here? Because unfortunately, for those people who believe that other end, he is talking about spiritual things. And I'm not over-spiritualizing it. I just said, scripture checks itself. The temple is you. Are you getting desolated? It's coming. Are your walls not up? Because if your walls are not up, if you're not having the word of God be your protection, then you are going to let this in, the temple. You're going to let this into your life. It may already be there. And then you got to go to the Lord. you got to be on your knees. you can got to be like, Lord, I need help. I need saved from this. I need, I need delivered from this, this oppression, this thing that's been holding me back, that's getting me, my eyes not focused on you. I mean, if you have a television, you're just polluting yourself. I'll be honest with you. What's good that comes out of television? What good does watching the world, watching the world do worldly things, speak sarcasm, lie, cheat, murder, steal? What good does that do? What if your eyes were on God the whole time? What if that was the case? You would actually be thinking more godly. You'd actually be thinking things that bring life and love and kindness and peace to this world. We're to train our kids up in godliness so that they can become a spiritual house of the Lord, a living sacrifice for the Lord. But if you're not sacrificing, if you're not living and walking according to what the word of God says, unfortunately, your walls are down and you are going to be getting destroyed. Maybe you're suffering from depression, anxiety. Maybe you're suffering from bouts of anger. Maybe greed 
and lust. All of those things, all of those things are there to destroy you. And then you've got Satan who's prowling around like a roaring lion, waiting, waiting, and seeking those whom he wants to devour. If your walls are down, you are prone to be attacked. So, my warning to everyone right now is that we get on our knees and we turn our eyes to him and we look up and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I am sorry for anything that I, any wrong that I've committed, anything that, anything that I've desired above you and above your name and above your presence, anything that, any idol in my life that sits on your throne room I remove it now so that you can properly sit on your throne. And I thank you for who you made me to be. And Father, I just pray, Father, that you illuminate your scriptures with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and allow me to see things how you want me to see them and see you how you want to be seen. And then for me to see others, how you see them. So that all the words out of my mouth will be there to build up people in love. Because we've been called to become love, become like you. And I thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. And all that you've created us to be. And I thank you for putting us in this time right now so that we can manifest you in every situation. In Jesus' name, we pray.